Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. I want to aim to teach about the favor of God tonight. Uh, it should be said that um, God loves everybody the same, but he doesn't favor us all the same. And in that regard, we're not all equal. He loves us all the same. He doesn't like us all the same. <laughs> and God can be frustrated. God can be quenched. God can be grieved. God can be resisted. God can be provoked to wrath. And don't you know the individual that successfully hits all those buttons on a regular basis? The Lord is not going to favor that individual. And so your job is to say, Lord, please don't let that be me. May I not be the guy or the gal that consistently quenches you or frustrates you or irritates you. God has emotions. And all of these are verses you're familiar with that our behavior and our disobedience can grieve him. He even said in Hebrews, what was the generation I was vexed with? Was it not those that saw my wonders and refused to obey me? He was put out with them. That's not just a figure of speech. That's an experience God had and still has with his people. And we need to make sure that that is not us. We need to make sure, as Brother Hagin said, we are quick to believe. We're quick to repent. We're quick to forgive. We want to make sure that when the Lord looks upon us, he smiles. He doesn't go, uh. <laughs> that would be the Lord's voice of frustration. You want to make sure he looks upon your family and goes, here's my family in whom I'm well pleased. You don't want to hear him say like you did in Hebrews, I was so frustrated with that group of folks. I was so frustrated with that family. And certainly there are families that have that testimony. I'm going to read you that verse out of Hebrews. I still haven't gotten my other Bible back, so it's like flying blind. For whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not those that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? With whom was he grieved? They grieved God for 40 years. So it's possible for God to show us salvation, deliverance, Miracle provision, signs and wonders, release us from spiritual captivity and spend the next 40 years of our life grieving him. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that family. I don't, us, I don't want us to be that church. I want to make sure that we're all like the Joshua's and Caleb's that say we're well able. We're not going to waste our deliverance. We're not going to sit in the sand and bellyache about a lack of onions and garlic and melons. If this is where God has us is where we're going to be. We're going to be happy about it. Because <laughs> we've all been around belly acres, and they're just unpleasant, and you wish they'd go away. So God loves us all the same. He don't like us all the same. He loves us all the same. He does not favor us all the same. And we want to make sure that if we harness anything, it is certainly the favor of God. Dr. Barclay has said, the favor of God will do more for you than your faith can. Because you just, the favor of God is almost a, a surprise. You don't know what it's going to do for you. Faith, when you activate faith, you're aiming it at something. Favor just turns around and does things for you you don't even expect. Favor comes upon you. Favor is probably most spoken of in Esther because it talks about the favor. It probably says eight, nine, ten times about the favor of God on Esther and the favor of God on Esther and the favor of God on Esther. And the favor preserved her, preserved her family, preserved her people, and made her a queen. 
She didn't know what favor was going to do. She didn't even know what to believe God for. She's a young, chaste, virgin Jew about to be put into the king's harem. She needs favor. But favor doesn't come by being a know-it-all. And favor doesn't come by being a do-it-all. Favor comes by honoring God and saying, Lord, I love you. When you have kids, you understand it. You, you don't always favor all your kids equally in the same moment of time. There's a constant pecking order. And then there's, if you have multiple kids, there's one kid you always tend to love more, or should we say nay, favor more, because their heart. It's not that they're the smartest. It's not that they're the best-looking kid you produce. It's not that they're the most talented. It's because of their tenderness. And if you have kids, you totally understand what I'm talking about. Your heart can't help but favor them. You can understand why Joseph might have been the favored one of Jacob, why he got the beautiful coat, why the others hated him. And we want to be that to God. We want to make sure despite our strengths or weaknesses, our intellect or lack thereof, our wealth or poverty, our trauma or our victory, our heart stays right before God. And we're the kid, he says, that's my favorite. F favorite comes from favor. When you favor something, it becomes your favorite. And so we want to make sure that for all of our good works, for all of our faith and commitment, for all of our Bible study and all of our worship, that our heart stays right before God and he is able to favor us. And it will never be because you're good enough. That's never it. It's because your heart pleases him. When you have that favorite child, and though we don't play favorites, we treat them all equally, but you cannot deny the biblical principle of favor. When you have that favorite child, it is not because they're the best at anything. It's because that heart is tender, that heart is obedient, that heart is compliant, that heart reciprocates love, that heart adores, and you can't help but say, man, it's a good kid. All your kids might be good, but there's that one that you think that's, you can't secretly, or you can't say it out loud, you can't tell the other kids that, but your heart knows what you meditate on. Parents, is that right? Even if your teenagers are in here, and they're like, wait, you mean I'm the brat and you don't like me more than the others? Is this a shock to you? The teenagers are back there going, you mean it's a possibility that I'm not like, you're an only child. Yeah, you, uh, it's an easy competition there. You're both number one and last place all at once. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 16, verse 7, we want to see an inkling here of favor. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Here's a demonstration of favor. Though favor is not directly spoken of, we see the thing that begins to earn God's favor. Now, and when you talk about earning things from God, it freaks out the Calvinists and the Word of Faith people. <laughs> and I'm happy to upset both any given day. It was, I was predestined to. I believe I received it. Because <laughs> the Calvinist believes it's either predestined or it's not. And the Word of Faith person says, you don't earn anything from God. You receive it by faith in Jesus' name. All right, whatever. Study your Bible a little bit more broadly than Mark 11, 23, and 24. Just like the Calvinists should look beyond Romans chapter 9, and you'll see a bigger picture of the kingdom and how God does things. There are things you earn. 
Paul said, uh, when I was counted worthy, I was put into the ministry. That sounds like earning, promotion. We don't earn salvation. That's to be understood. But notice, to have the Lord make your enemies at peace, your ways have to please him. What if your ways don't please him? Does this promise apply to you? It does not apply to you. But we see one of the keys behind the Lord's favor, earning it, acquiring it, having it rest upon you. However your little religious mind wants to describe it, your ways have to please the Lord. Your attitude, your work, your marriage, how you view the kingdom, how you view mankind, everything about you, when those ways please the Lord, he makes his, your enemies be at peace with you. You don't even have to ask him for that. He just does it. The implication here is that you don't ask for it, you don't seek it, you don't pray for it. You're too busy pleasing God, and he just says, why would I let them come against my favorite child? He just begins to swat things for you. You don't even know what's going on. And this is part of the aspect of why we can say, the favor of God will do more for you than your own faith can. Because you don't even know you have enemies coming against you at times, but the Lord makes sure that even they are at peace with you. So let's look at a couple verses on favor. I'm going to go through some here. Let's go to Exodus 11. There's a premise we'll see. We'll see it both with Samuel. He is kind of, in this regard, a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 11. It says that, the child grew in favor with God and man. And we want to make sure we increase in favor with God and man. We don't always have to go around picking fights. Some folks are just belligerent. Uh, if that's you, we'll never be able to use you in leadership because the Bible says that to be used in leadership, you can't be a striker. You can't be one soon angry. You can't be one picking a fight. What we ought to be believing God for is favor with our enemies, as we saw in Proverbs 16, but also favor with the boss, favor with God and man. You ought to be praying and, and seeking God for favor. And if you seem to fall out of favor with folks you had favor with, you should go figure out why. Because when favor is upon you, doors just open. You don't even have to knock. They're just offering things. You find yourself praying about whether you should take up something because it's just given to you constantly. And that's a lot easier a life to live than always having to bang on doors or speak to mountains or burrow tunnels. It's just easier just to have things presented and you have to pray which one to take and which one not to take. Exodus chapter 11, verse 3 says, And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So it goes on to say a couple times about the favor. Chapter 12 says the same thing. And when they were given favor in the sight of the Egyptians, the Egyptians just gave them their wealth. And that's how they were able to spoil Egypt on their way out. They didn't ask for it. They didn't ask for the favor. And they didn't ask the Egyptians for their wealth. God gave them favor, and the favor acquired the wealth. That's what Exodus 12:36 says that they've had favor with the Egyptians and they bestowed upon them their wealth. So they went out wealthy. Of course, that wealth was later used to build the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and all of the instruments thereof. So one of the things we want to understand about the favor of God is there's favor that comes from God with him, favor with him, and then he also grants us favor with man. So that would be favor with your boss, favor with coworkers, favor with neighbors. We ought to be seeking... Uh, to have favor, it's part of the New Testament. Seek peace and pursue it. 
one of the best things we can do perhaps when there's hostility in our lives is to pray for favor. Lord, grant me favor. Grant me favor with this coworker. Grant me favor with this contractor. Grant me favor with this politician. Lord, I've got to meet with this person. Grant me favor. I've got to talk to insurance today. Lord, grant me favor with the insurance company. And if you've ever been in any kind of place of authoritative decision-making, you know that there are some things you can just make on a whim based on your own decision, and you can raise someone up or shut someone down based on how you favor that person or not. A couple years ago, uh, well, it was 10 years ago now, we moved into our house and I wanted a grill, so I wanted a nice grill. Pastor Ingolf taught me I'm too poor to buy junk, so I don't buy like a cookville person does anymore. I save up, we save up, and we buy very, very nice high-end stuff. Name brands don't matter to me because it's just a name brand, but I want something that's going to last a long time. So we bought this Weber grill, but I went to Lowe's to buy the Weber grill, and... <laughs> I used to work at Inside Lawn and Garden, so that's where I'm going, and I know how it works. It may have changed now, but that was 25 years ago. And they, found, they had the Weber grill I wanted, so I look around. I know what the numbers are. There's, this is the last model. This is the one I want. It's the floor model. So I asked one of the young guys, hey, can, can you come take care of me? It was a busy Saturday. I said, I want to buy this. They said, well, it's our, last, it's our last one. I said, I understand. I want it. He said, all right, I'll get back to you. Can you wait a minute? I said, sure. I waited over an hour. So then I grabbed, and I did peacefully because I know how to work this. I used to work there. So I grabbed somebody. I said, I need to see the manager, the zone manager. So he came up. What's the problem, sir? I said, well, two things. Number one, I want this grill, and I want it now. But number two, you've made me wait for over an hour, hour and a half. And my time's worth something. He said, I'm so sorry. I said, it's okay. I know this is your floor model, which means you can knock off a lot of money. Furthermore, my time is worth a lot of money to me, so you need to knock off some more. And he said, you're absolutely right. And he gave it to me, I think half off. It was about an $800 grill. I think we got four, four fifty. I don't remember exactly. Looks brand new to this day. Just cooked out on it last week. It's beautiful. But polite. Don't be a jerk. Just be polite. This man has the power to say, I can't do that. Or you're right, I can. I knew he did but I'm not going to get it out of him by being a jerk to him. So I courted his favor, and it saved me a couple hundred bucks. Waited an hour and a half. I never made that much money in my life. <laughs> I made three or $400 in that hour. I'll wait for 400 bucks. Yeah. So we need to understand this concept of biblical favor. We want to give it to people. We want to have it from people, and we need it with God. And if you realize it really comes back to your attitude... You'll change who you are pretty quick. Just like with your children, when one of your kids comes in with, a, with an attitude, you're not going to give them any favor. If they come in all sweet, you'll let them stay up till midnight and eat all the ice cream they want. <laughs> it pretty much is right. When they sit in your lap and say, Mommy, I love you. You're the prettiest lady in the whole world. You'll say, Whatever you want, I will buy you five. <laughs> and they're not even trying to milk you. So, uh, let's look at some other verses here because I, I saw some good ones I want to, uh, to look at. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 26. 
And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. He grew on and grew up, and he was in favor with the Lord and favor also with men. Now, if you can only have one of those, pick the Lord. But I think we can have both, favor with God and man. And that's what we ought to be praying over our lives constantly. Lord, I thank you that I increase in favor with God and man. And it's something worth setting your faith on and receiving by faith. And in that regard, you do activate faith to receive it. But if you're a jerk, it's not going to work for you anyway. If you're belligerent, if you have an attitude, you can't court favor with your boss and always be late. There are certain rules that apply to favor. You've got to work hard. You, you can't sit at home, do nothing, complain about everything, and expect to get faith from anybody. You have to do your part as a human being, not even as a Christian, just a decent human being. And if you'll do that, people will grant you favor. And that favor will open doors for you that nobody else will or can. Because somebody will say, I don't know why. I just feel like I need to do this for you. Because people all around you have the authority to open and close doors at their judgment call. And if you court their favor, they can do it for you. Now, this is not manipulation. It's not guile. It's just a kingdom principle. We need favor to do things in the earth. Esther could not be queen and save the Jews without the favor of God upon her in the land of Persia. And you have got things you're going to have to do for God you won't be able to do simply by faith alone. You'll need favor. You can't be a jerk and then work your faith. I know a preacher, he's just a jerk, but he claims he's by faith. He's not faith, he's a jerk. Why you got to be a jerk? That's not faith. It's not even authority. It's just rude. I don't get that. So we want to make sure we're courting the favor of God. When I first took over this church, we had a lot of battles. We were fighting on every side, and both within and without. And I was in the uh, season of swinging the battle axe for Jesus, and I, uh, nobody ever told me to put the battle axe down that the war was over. So, you know, you're just cutting things constantly. And we had a situation with a local business where I dealt with it with a battle axe when all it needed was a phone call. And it cost me pretty heavily until I went back and repented to the business owner. And um, I didn't know how I had missed it so bad. I don't know how I, I couldn't see that I had overkilled the issue. But sometimes we get in those ruts where we, we want to take a tomahawk to surgery rather than a scalpel. Or, or we open our tool chest and all we have is a ball bat. <laughs> and we got to be a lot better than that. we got to be a lot more subtle, a lot more adept, a lot more skilled than that. So I got back to the church, and I walked in the back door there. And as soon as I did, the Lord spoke to me by the word of knowledge, a very supernatural. He arrested me and spoke to me. And he said, David could not build the temple because he was a man of unnecessary war. And I'd never seen that before. He showed me all these battles he fought that were not necessary. And then you, the Lord said, yeah, you're a man of war, you're a man of blood. For that reason, you can't build this temple. And when, he, when the Lord spoke that to me, I instantly saw how I was following in the footsteps of David. I was, I was going to war more than was necessary. I was picking fights. I was going, I was going atomic. I was going nuclear when all I needed was a diplomatic phone call. Rather than sitting down with somebody and talking, I would just pray against them. 
because that's what I had to do for two and a half, three years prior. So I'm in this rut. I'm in this bad rut. And the Lord was, showed me that I was on the same path David was, and I was going to get to a place where it would forfeit me the ability to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do down the road. So I saw instantly I need to drop the sword. And that's when I also saw that my hand had been clinging to the sword for so long I had had trouble letting go of it. But then the Lord instantly spoke to me and he said, you can win this region one of two ways, by war or by favor. And I instantly said, Lord, I pick favor. I am so tired, Lord. I pick favor. I don't want to have to curse anybody anymore. I don't want to have to pray against anybody anymore. I don't want any more lawsuits. Lord, I don't want any more hatred. I don't want any more variance. I pick favor. I'm tired, Lord. And that still resonates because it means there's an easier way to do most of what we do. But we're Southerners. Half of us are about one-third hick. That means we're ignorant and belligerent. Half of us are one-third. So you do the math because that's not my strong suit. But I was, I was doing this thing the hard way, like David, just unnecessarily going to war when he didn't have to. And it cost him when he had a great idea for God. He said, I can't do that. You've... Uh, You've passed a red line. Can't let you do it. Your son will do it. He'll be a man of peace. But it told me that there's two ways to build this local church and the, teach and reach this region, through war or favor. And one sounds a lot easier than the other. One sounds a lot more peaceful. One sounds a lot more loving. One sounds a lot more squishy. And after a while, squishy's not so bad when you're tired of combat. So uh, maybe in your own life, figure out where you've had the sword way too long and where you need to start praying for favor. Lord, give me a better way to fight this. And so ever since then, if you come to our Tuesday prayers, we always claim favor. We win this region through favor. I pray it almost every Tuesday because it's a promise I have from God, which means I have a promise. I don't have to have any more lawsuits. I don't have to have any more belligerence. This, I pray that this region wants our favor. They want us. They court our opinion. They're concerned with what we think. We're not concerned with what they think. They want our favor. And we have favor with the banks and favor with tech. And we have favor with businesses and favor with CPAC and favor with the banks next door and the west side. Well, I want favor. I'm too busy doing other stuff to always have to be fighting. But if you're not careful, you get really addicted to war and you get bloodthirsty and you get gung-ho and trigger-happy. That's where the hick thing comes in. When that defines your marriage, you guys are hicks. And I mean that as a pejorative. Grow up. All you're missing is a trailer half on fire. And you don't need my office. You need Jerry Springer. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Before there was reality TV, there was Jerry Springer. Yeah. Let's look at some other verses here. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. Favor. We need the Lord's favor. We want to court the Lord's favor. Nehemiah chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 1. Because this will apply to us as employees, as children under our parents' authority. This would apply to us as ministers, as a local church. Nehemiah chapter 2. We know the story of Nehemiah. The, the Jews are in Persia as slaves. Uh, Zerubbabel has gone a hundred years prior to this time to build the second temple and build a wall and restore Jerusalem. 
and he is met with opposition. The opposition has torn down the wall, and through discouragement, the temple project has come to a halt. Though the temple was completed, the city is now lie in desolation to some degree. And Nehemiah really is he's really just a servant. He's a slave in a household. He's a household slave to Artaxerxes. He is the cupbearer, which means he tastes food to make sure it's not poison. Because if it is, he drops dead, they just get another Jew. That's how this works. Just so you know the cultural setting. Verse 1, it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was uh, before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. So here's one of the secrets to getting favor from your boss. Quit moping. Just show up with a better attitude than the rest of Cookville. When I worked at Lowe's, all my jobs through college were great jobs. I taught labs at Tech. I washed cars at Tech. I worked at a mobile home dealership. And I worked with great people. But when I went to Lowe's, I found the underbelly of Cookville. Working there, not everybody, by no means, but some of the guys I work with. And that's when I was introduced to this, this ridiculously hillbilly attitude of, I was looking for a job when I found this one. Then why are you even here? Go look for a better one. And I realized this is a messed up place, and I can't wait to get out of here. I'm bigger and better than this little holler. I'm looking for it. So was I. And I'm still looking for a better one. And I'm only here until I can find that one that will pay me to look at rocks and not sell bird feed. <laughs> All you have to do is show up to work and be thankful, and you'll have your boss's favor. Show up and be happy, and you'll have your boss's favor. Show up and be thankful that you're not in jail, and you'll have your boss's favor. Show up and be thankful you're going to heaven. And you have your boss's favor. You don't even get the promise of Deuteronomy 28, that he will bless everything you set your hands to unless you have something to set your hands to. Show up and be thankful you get to do what you do because it gives God something he can bless for you. Amen. Nehemiah is a slave. He is a house Negro. And he says, and I've never been sad in my master's presence before. Cultural setting. Nowhere he can run to. There's six months of desert between him and home. Therefore, the king said unto me, Why is your countenance sad? He noticed this was not out of, this wasn't normal, this was out of the ordinary. But for some Christians, belly aching, begrudging, sad, down in the mouth, hillbilly, that's normal. The king took note. You're not even sick which means when you go to work with an attitude, you must be sick. He said, you're not sick, so what's wrong? Your countenance is sad. There's, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very afraid. And I said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lies waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said to me, for what dost thou make requests? He's not asked for anything. He's just telling them why I'm sad. My, my hometown is heavy on my heart. What do you want from me, Nehemiah? He didn't ask anything, but we see favor because he's a hard worker. He maintains a positive attitude and the king favors him. 
Any king, even the pagan, will favor the Christian who works hard with a positive attitude. So that ought to be our reputation on our job. Not, well, I was looking for a job when I found this one. Some of you do good, just go look for one. Put your hand to something. So I prayed to the God of heaven. So this answer didn't come immediately. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant has found favor in your sight, that thou wouldest send me into Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. This was all possible because he had the king's favor. And he earned it through an attitude and hard work. And yet, we know the rest of Nehemiah, this is revival. The beginning of revival would have been quenched had it not been for favor. The beginning of what God wanted to do through this slave who was promoted to governor. Think about that, how that'll preach. You go from slave to governor because of favor. Or you can bellyache and play victim. From slave, not even a high-ranking slave, just if the wine's poison, he drops dead, get me another one. From slave to governor over Judea with a blank check to do whatever you want to do with your hometown because he had favor. That's the power of favor. He could have never believed God for any of this. He couldn't even begin to believe God for that. But he kept a good attitude and he worked hard. That's how favor works. Well, you see the same story with Esther. I'm looking at Esther here. Esther talks about favor one, two, three, four, five, six times, having found favor in the eyes of the king. Look at Job chapter 10. Just doing a little bit of a topical study here. There's no telling what God has in store for you that you will not be able to accomplish as long as you have an American attitude or a victim attitude or a lazy attitude or an unthankful attitude. That is also why as parents, we should discipline our children for attitude as much as action and discipline them when their attitude is wrong and teach them what attitude should look like. Teach them how to be respectful, how to be thankful. Teach them how to be a servant teach them how to lay down their lives because that will open doors that they don't even know need to be opened. Job chapter 10. Job said in verse 12, you have granted me life and favor. It's one thing to have life. That's every human being, but not every human being has favor. Job 10, 12. You have granted me life and favor, and your visitation has preserved my spirit. God doesn't show up and visit everybody, but he'll show up to those he, preser- uh, to those he favors. There's something about a positive attitude, something about a joyful attitude that, that courts the favor of God. I've told you this story before, but it, it, it bears mention, bears repeating. Um, when we were still leasing these buildings... And we were doing car, we, we did an annual youth car wash in our back parking lot. It was a CCF tradition for 25, 30 years. And we got a letter from the property owner who had a cease and desist. It was a very sharply worded cease and desist on all car washes in the parking lot back here. And that was a big fundraiser for us. And I had thought I had the favor of the property owner at the time. And this is, again, my battle axe days. I was ready to curse him and his business to hell. 
How dare you come against the church? How dare you tell a church it can't raise funds for its youth? How dare you call yourself a Christian? I was ready to go to war and pray somebody to hell and pray their business into oblivion. So I called Dr. Barclay, which is always a good thing to do when you're sharpening your battle axe and ready to go to war. I said, what should I do? He said, I think you're a lot like me. You like to fight. I said, yeah. He said, or you can make a phone call. <laughs> well, which is the right answer? Because I want to be like you, but it sounds like you're kind of leaning towards make the phone call. So oddly enough for me, where I was in that day, it would have been easier to go to war in prayer and just start cursing a business and grab that thing and just pull it to nothing. I could have done it so easy. The hard thing for me in that day was to make a phone call to him, the business owner, and ask what happened. But that's what I did because it was the harder decision to make, the harder action to take because I was nervous because I have to confront him tactfully uh, and ask what I've done wrong. So as what I, I remember asking him specifically, sir, I got your letter in the mail and it's, re, it's saying that we are forbidden from ever doing any car washes, and we've always done car washes. And, sir, I thought we had your favor. What have I done to fall out of favor with you? Those are my words exactly. And he began to stammer over himself and say, Oh, 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 uh, uh, pa Pastor Chris, I am so sorry, sir. That was not written for you. We had other businesses down there blocking traffic, taking up everybody's parking. It wasn't you guys. I'm so sorry to even think about you guys. And I thought, well, I'm glad I called you for your sake. I was ready to curse your whole business to hell. <laughs> but my word specifically was, what have I done to fall in favor out, out of, fallen out of favor with you? And he quickly said, no, no, you've done nothing. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this affects you, but I have to do it because everybody's being misplaced. I said, I totally understand now. My point is you've got to figure out where maybe you once had favor, but you lost it. Because folks don't change their mind for nothing. And if you've ever had favor, you know how much it, it lifts off of you. And then all of a sudden you find that you're carrying burdens you're not used to carrying because you lost favor. You need to go back and figure out where you fell out of favor with your boss or your parents or your pastor or your elders or your grandma. You figure out. You want to court favor honorably. You don't want to schmooze and be a manipulator and start schmoozing up to Grandpa right before he dies because you know he has an inheritance. Grandpa's not stupid. He'll see through you. We're talking about sound favor. So Job said, you've granted me life and favor, and your visitation has preserved my spirit. And these things hast thou hid in thy heart, and I know that this is with thee. So we want to see that, that God doesn't just give life. He also gives favor, but... Just because you've been given life by God doesn't mean you have his favor either. Has he visited you? Because if he'll visit you, he'll preserve you as well. Look at Psalm 5. David knew something about favor. Verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. That's those that live right in the eyes of God. With favor will you compass him as with a shield or crown him. So favor becomes a defense. He says, Lord, you will bless the righteous and you will crown him with favor like a shield. So that comes back to our first verse, Proverbs 16, 7. That when a, ways, a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemy to be at peace with him. That's favor. Here it says the same thing. When a man's ways please the Lord, he will crown him with favor like a shield. That favor becomes a defense. If your boss favors you, 
layoffs will not come nigh thee. When your family favors you, you'll get the best seat at Thanksgiving. You might get the lion's share of the family inheritance. You'll get the promotion when other folks are passed over. There's favor to be had. We don't have to schmooze people to get it. We honor God to obtain it. There's a difference. We don't schmooze. We don't butter up to people. I hate that. It's politics. It's, it's disingenuous. It's wicked. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about your ways please God. He gives you favor. And for your ways to please God with your boss, you work hard. You don't bellyache. You keep up company morale. You're thankful for your job just as you are today as you were the day you got it when you desperately needed it. You don't bellyache about your wages. Paul, excuse me, John the Baptist told the centurions, be content with your wages. What must we do to have eternal life, they said. John the Baptist said, be content with your wages. Boy, half a cookful needs to hear that. Making 11 bucks, making a taco, ain't enough. What must I do to have eternal life? Be content with your wages. So says John the Baptist. <laughs> look at um, Psalm 30. Let's look at a couple of these psalms on favor. Let's just begin in verse 1, because this will help adjust our attitude. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. These are good promises feeling pretty good already. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endures but a moment. In his favor is life. So all these previous verses extol him, cry unto him, Worship him, sing unto him, give thanks unto him. These set your heart up for his favor. And even though he might be angry but for a moment, his favor is life. That's why we need it. God loves everybody. He doesn't favor everybody. God loves all of his children. He doesn't favor all of his kids. If all of, think about this. Think about if we all worked for the same boss at the same factory or the same company, we would not all have the same favor from the same boss because we all have a different character, a different testimony, a different attitude, and a different lifestyle, even in this church. So each of us would see promotion at a different range based on our attitude and our walk with God. I think we could see how that anecdote could play out. We all hire in at the same level, and they don't care about our degrees, our diplomas, our experience. We're all making widgets on the assembly line, and by the end of the first quarter, we'd all be somewhere different in the company, and it would be totally our fault because the favor of God would be stronger upon some of us than others. The work ethic is stronger upon some of us than others. The joy is upon us stronger than others, and it would cause us to rise, and some, some six months later would still be at entry level. Might be why it works for the kingdom in your life the same way. So figure out where you're schmucking this thing in the weird direction, where you're just a schmo. Figure out what's wrong with you, your attitude, and fix it. Verses 1 through 4 are a good place to start. Extol God, even when the job stinks, even when you don't like your wife, even when you don't like your husband. Extol God. Quit belly aching. He's lifted you up. 
Your foes have not been successful over you. Cry unto God, he'll heal you. Remind yourself that God's brought your soul up from the grave. He's kept you alive. Sing unto the Lord. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Be thankful, and favor comes quickly. Look at Psalm uh, verse 7, 30 verse 7. Well, we'll read verse 6. Well, let's read finish 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Some of you are addicted to weeping for 20 years. Totally changed the word of God. Weeping endures for a decade. Joy happened once in a movie theater. Are you even saved? In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor hast thou made my mountain to stand strong. By my mountain, that is my strength, my life, everything that I am about. By your favor, basically we'll say it this way, your favor caused my life to be established. When God favors you, it doesn't matter what people do against you. It will not last. It will not stand. This is why we need the favor of God. When you have the favor of God, people can slander you. It'll go nowhere. When you have the favor of God, your, your enemy co-worker can threaten you and work against you within the company. It will go nowhere. By God's favor, he causes your mountain to stand strong. That's why you need it. You can't even explain how it works. You don't even know how to pray against some things or pray for some things. That's why we just need favor. But when he hides his face, I was troubled. So the difference between favor and no favor is God's face upon you or God's face not upon you. Peter, quoting Psalm 34, says, The ears of the Lord are open to those who walk upright before him, but his face is against them that work evil. Sounds like a psalm of favor. That's written to the New Testament church. His face can be against you and I, and we totally lose favor. And, I mean, think about how much of our life has been built by the favor of God. If he were to just take all that favor away, where would we be left? We've got to court the favor of God. And it really comes back to just walking upright before him. You didst hide your face, and I was troubled. I cried unto the Lord, and unto the Lord I made my supplication. Look at uh, Psalm 35. Uh, no, let's go to Psalm 34. Psalm 30, uh, I'm sorry, 44, Psalm 44. Verse 1, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old. Verse 2, how you did drive out the heathen with your hand and plantest them, God's people. How that did afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. So now we're talking about Israel taking possession of the promised land. Neither did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance, because you had a favor unto them. Even Israel's receiving of the promised land was based on their favor with God. That kind of tells us one of the necessary ingredients to receiving all the promises God has for you require his favor. Just because you promise your kids ice cream this morning doesn't mean they get it this afternoon, though you promise it to them this morning. What can they do to lose that promise but rebel, sin? It would be unjust in that moment to keep your word. 
And no matter how much your children may say, but you promised, but you promised. Yeah, but you've been very disobedient, very disrespectful. I've had to spank you twice. You mouthed off. There's no way I would take you to fulfill my promise. You're not getting ice cream. Daddy, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please pray for me. I'm so sorry. If there was true penitence, you could see how your heart would turn and say, all right, let's go get some ice cream. But it won't be lazy cow because they're closed. We got to go get some of that Kroger stuff. So it would be a lesser promise. All based on your attitude or your child's attitude. I don't, I don't want to think I'm walking out a lesser destiny. I don't want to think I'm, I'm getting a lesser promised land because I drug my feet and I bellyache the whole time. I believe in the perfect will of God, and then I believe in runner-up, and I don't want runner-up. And so we need the favor of God to finish our race right the first time. But I'm really convinced most Christians in our nation, if they make heaven at all, they'll be on about plan Q because they will just have forfeited so much of God's per perfect provision through attitude and belly aching. Let's read verse 3 again. For they, will say it, Israel got not the land in possession by their own sword. Didn't they fight? A lot. Neither did their own arm save them. But, their right, but thy right hand and thine arm in the light of your countenance because thou hast a favor unto them. They got the promises of Abraham because of the favor of God, though they had to do a lot of heavy lifting in between. So I want you to see that favor again is necessary to even receiving the promises of God. And we understand that if you lose favor with God, even though he promised you something, doesn't mean you'll get it. But you said I was called. Yeah, but you negated it. You, you promised me a calling to ministry, but you negated it. Amen. We got to have this favor. Let's look at a few others. I want to jump to the New Testament. There's so many Proverbs, so many Psalms on favor. Look at Psalm 119, not 165. <laughs> Psalm 119, 58. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. David knew how to cry out and plead for favor. I don't know what new translations say. That's King James. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Lord, give me favor. Lord, I need your favor. Lord, I need your hand upon me. The previous verse says, you are my portion, O Lord, and I have said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to your word. Favor is something we can entreat or approach and request. Lord, give me favor with my boss. Give me favor with this interview. Give me favor, Lord. The IRS is coming. Give me favor, O oh Lord. If you ever get pulled over by the police, Lord, give me favor. <laughs> and then be sweet. Can't ask for favor and then be a jerk. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't get pulled over by the police, ask for favor, then treat him like your name's Chuck D. All right, yeah, that one, he was the founding rapper of Public Enemy. If Frank was here, I'd have a friend. <laughs> you can't treat the police like Chuck D and have favor. They did have a song called Get Up and Get, get Down. 911 is a joke in your town. That was a Chuck D public enemy flavor flave song from the early 90s. 
I know what my wife said. You're all by yourself. I'm often all by myself. These are the things that go through my mind while I'm preaching, and I have to judge. Do I throw that out there? Do I share that? Do I keep that to myself? I have a pretty high success rate. Not 100%, as is evident now. <laughs> All right. Cephas the Blockwad just texted me. What did Cephas say? He said, I'm with you, Pastor. Thank you, Cephas. He must be in the hallway. <laughs> Look at uh, Proverbs 3. <laughs> He must be a Chuck D fan from way back when. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, for, let's talk about how to get this favor. Let's, let's talk about how to get it. Because you earn it, though the Calvinists don't like that, neither do the Word of Faith people. I, 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 one of the, my quotes that Dr. Barclay liked, he posted it to social media. One of my quotes from about eight years ago was, social media is incredibly uh, popular because it gives people a voice when God wouldn't. So pastor loves that quote. He quotes it a lot. He put it on one of his Inst uh, Instagram or Twitter pages and somebody hopped on there and commented on it and said, you don't get anything from God. You believe you receive things from God. And I thought you just proved my point. Social media is popular because it gives you a platform when God wouldn't. Why would you say something as ignorant as that? You don't get, you don't earn anything from God. You get what you believe God for. I'm sorry. It's just not accurate. That tweet proved my point. Proverbs 3. How do we entreat favor? How do we court favor? Verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. So you can't forget the law of God. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. So you got to have the law. You got to have mercy and truth. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. So shall you find favor. And good understanding or good success, favor and good success is what the margin of my Bible says in the Hebrew, in the sight of God and man. So here are three things we've got to get working in our life. We have to keep the word of God, keep those commandments, mercy and truth. And if we keep the commandments of God, and if we bind mercy and truth about our neck, we will find favor everywhere we go. Sounds pretty simple. It is, but it's not. But we see what we have to do. We have to walk in mercy and truth. Mercy doesn't mean you're merciful to everything, but in truth, you know who to be merciful to. But you've got to keep the law of God and his commandments, bind them. And then in doing that, Solomon says, this is how you begin to find favor with God and man everywhere you go. Your boss will favor you when you're full of truth. If you're a liar, you cheat the time card, you deserve to be fired. Amen. Proverbs 8. Let's look at another aspect to gaining favor. This is going to talk about wisdom. Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8 talks about the woman wisdom. This is a giant allegory. The whole context is I am wisdom. The Lord possessed me in the day he created everything. She is de defined as feminine, just for sake of literature. We're not saying Jesus is feminine, though he is the spirit of wisdom, but it's just the poetry of the proverb. But the whole context of Proverbs 8 is wisdom. Verse 34 says, Blessed is the man that hears me. Who? Wisdom. Watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. Whosoever finds me, wisdom, finds life, 
and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Walking in wisdom will give you favor. You can't be stupid and find the favor of God. Wisdom. So now we add a fifth thing. With the law, the commandments, mercy, truth, wisdom. And these things will begin to bring favor in your life. Think about it as your boss would. Think about it as a parent would. You can't give favor to dangerous people. You can't give favor to reckless people. You can't give favor to ignorant people. You give favor to wise folks who are gentle of spirit. Write down Proverbs eleven 27. I'll read these to you. Ah, there's so many in Proverbs that talk about favor. Proverbs eleven twenty. Write these down. Just put Proverbs eleven, and I'll give you about four verses, and I'll read them to you, because I want to jump to the New Testament real quick. Proverbs eleven twenty seven, twelve two, thirteen fifteen, and fourteen nine. Twelve. Uh, excuse me. Eleven twenty seven, twelve two, thirteen fifteen, and fourteen nine. I'll read these verses to you. He that seeketh good obtains favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. So just seek that which is good. Be, be the favorable, be the honorable student in your professor's classroom. You'll get favor. Be the alert student. Professors don't like kids that fall asleep on them. I've never been a professor, but I taught labs. I enjoyed geology. The kids that at least showed an interest. Now, again, the kids, they're my age when I'm teaching them. When they showed an interest in geology, I felt good, and I gave them favor. Your professors, college kids, are professors of their field because they love their field. And if you mock their field, you will lose favor. Just make fun of what they went to school for 10 years for, and watch how that goes for your GPA. Uh, is Tech one of those where you get to pick your GPA now like they're doing at Yale? I identify as an A-plus student. I identify as a minority A-plus student, so this should be for free. <laughs> Just show some respect to your professor's field that they're requiring you to take, and you'll get some favor. Ask some good questions and learn something. You're paying for it. You might as well learn something while you're there. They're smart people. A wicked... Uh, uh, he that seeks mischief shall come, uh, it shall come unto him. Proverbs 12, 2 says, A good man obtains favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will God condemn. So just being good will obtain favor. Just be a decent human being. Proverbs 13, 15 says, Good understanding gives favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Pastoring people, it's, it just pains my heart to watch how dumb some Christians are. They just... The way of transgressors is hard. Your life is as hard as you want to make it. Inconsistency in the word makes your life hard. But consistency in the word will bring you great favor. It's totally up to you. Your life is as miserable as you want to make it. Or your life can be as blessed as you want to make it. And all of it takes a little bit of work. If you're allergic to work, suffer. God promised, one of the first promises in the Bible is, it's going to take a lot of work to get anything out of this life. From the sweat of your brow, you'll eat bread now. So just get used to it. Amen. Proverbs 14.9, Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. So all these Proverbs, 
Uh, there's so many, I won't even read them all to you. Just Google search or do a Bible search for favor. Look at Luke chapter 2. We'll get ready to wrap up here. Then we're going to pray. I want to pray a little bit tonight. Luke chapter 2. Write Daniel 1.9 down because God brought Daniel into favor with the prince of the eunuchs. Without favor, Daniel would not be able to be who he was going to be. Luke 2, we want to turn there. Write down Daniel 1.9. Daniel's a lot like Nehemiah. If it hadn't been for the favor of God, he would have never come to the place. He was actually a president. There were numerous presidents under uh, the kings of Persia, and his position was actually that of president. We might say prime minister. You have to understand when you have an empire, you have multiple nations underneath you, and you need a president over those nations. Daniel became one of those even though he was a slave, but it was because of his favor. Uh, Luke chapter 2, let's look at the Christ child. 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in wisdom. Stature just means age. He got wiser, he got older, and he increased in favor with God. Now, this is one of these quandaries of the hypostatic union because he's fully God and fully man. How can God increase in favor with himself? But that's the mystery of the incarnation. He's fully God, fully man, and yet the God child is increasing in favor with himself, his father. That's the Trinity. It's a mystery. But I like to pray this over our children. I pray this over myself, that I increase in favor with God and man. If Christ is in me and I'm in him, then I can claim these promises. We increase in favor with God and man. If you get that order reversed, you'll be in trouble. Don't court man's favor first. Court God's favor. You have favor with God, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. So we court favor with God by honoring him, by worshiping him, by serving him, by calling out to him, by making him our God, not just a savior, but our God. And when God is your God, you'll increase in favor with man. And that does more things for you than anything else. You want to make sure that you walk this thing out. Final verse, Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you're learning something about how to obtain favor. There's nothing we've read so far that says believe God for it. There's a lot of action involved. <laughs> that kind of means you apply the word earn or qualify for. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Let's look at some more ways to obtain favor. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. So we're talking about the church and revival. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's pretty good church growth. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And what's the next word? You mean they hung out? No Sunday morning, only saints? They fellowshiped with one another? Not just anybody's doctrine, the apostles' doctrine. They just didn't listen to anybody on the Jewish TBN. They had a tight-knit group of people they listened to. They didn't listen to pharisaical doctrine. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. They knew who they were assigned to. Otherwise, they'd have been just as confused as the Galatian church became 30 years later. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, not the Sadducees' doctrine, not the Herodians' doctrine, not the Essenes' doctrine. 
the apostles' doctrine, and they hung out with each other, which means they were likable. <laughs> and in the breaking of bread, that means they ate meals together. That's more fellowship. Fellowship and breaking of bread, that's two different types of hanging out. And in prayers. Part of the problem with the American church is none of this takes place today. You don't see any apostolic doctrine. That is just good, sound Bible doctrine. Churches don't fellowship together. As soon as service is over, they're empty in five minutes. Nobody hangs out together in the middle of the week. And you know there aren't prayer services anymore. But let's keep reading. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, notice they're born again, spirit-filled, but they're still going to the temple every day. And breaking bread from house to house, that means they're fellowshipping and hanging out together as a church family. They did eat their meat, that is their food, with gladness, there's that humility and that thankfulness, and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the, church, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There's a lot of checkpoints in there that the American church could really get a hold of. They fellowshiped with each other. Their possessions were sold to take, to take care of each other. Not every non-for-profit that wants to rescue a dog. Their money was spent on the church. And they continued breaking bread from house to house. They loved each other. They were family. And when there was peace among them, they had favor with all the other people. The reason a lot of folks don't want to come to the church is they see all of our infighting and our wrangling. Churches, here's a sign of a weak, sick church. Church is dismissed and it's empty in five minutes. That's the sign of an unhealthy church. Pastor Matt Cretunis made this observation. It was really profound. I've never heard it before. He said... He wanted to compliment our church. He said, You're, you, I want to compliment your, your people. I said, cool. He said, they're so loving. They're so affectionate. They make everybody feel welcome. They made us feel very welcome. And he said, and when you dismissed, nobody went anywhere. And I said, yeah. And he said, and you know why? I said, no. He said, because you disciplined them. He said, I can tell it's a very disciplined church. Not just like regimented, but disciplined with the word, corrected. And I said, yeah. He said, that's how kids are. He said, when we're in homes, you can tell which children are disciplined because they behave well, they're loving, they're affectionate, and they like to be around their parents. He said, and it applies to churches too. And I said, man, that's good. Yeah. You love to be together because we grow together. That's what you see. We could easily flip this over and say, this is the key to revivals. Because... When fear is upon the people, the apostles can do miracles. When peace is among the people and favor is among the people, God can add to the church daily such as should be saved. But it comes back to the people. That's, to speak vernacular, yins. <laughs> That's yins. <laughs> yeah. Verse 46, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat or their food with gladness. That means they're joyful and thankful. And singleness of heart. They weren't split in their agendas. 
praising God and having favor with all the people. There's that joyful attitude, and it brings favor. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Because of that unity, the Lord was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. Might be a good predestination verse. I'm predestined to disagree with that interpretation. <laughs> so think about where you can adjust your attitude to court favor. If you're unthankful, God won't give you favor. One of the best ways to find favor with God is to just be gracious. Be, be full of gratitude. Lord, you are so good. Do you, can you hear your heart being thankful or do you hear your heart being a victim? One of the things we touched on a little bit this morning, one of the things that is so demonic about the modern American victim mindset is that there's no thankfulness in it. And I, I could get very fervent on this, but I don't want to go this direction. For a Christian to constantly play the victim card is to mock Christ. You can't be thankful and a victim at the same time. Because no matter what you and I have been a victim of, Jesus Christ has still done so much for us. No matter if you've been raped or gang raped, you've still been forgiven. No matter if you've been robbed, abused, abandoned, betrayed, divorced, sodomized, beaten with a bicycle chain with an inch of your life, you could play the victim card. Or you can be thankful, but you can't be both at the same time. So there's something powerful about this attitude that says, Lord, you're so good to me. Look upon your servant. I'm so thankful to live in this apartment. I'm so thankful to have this bicycle to go to work on. Lord, you're so good to me. Father, thank you for saving me. I could be going to hell, but I'm not. That person won't stay in that position in life very long. Because the favor of God will come upon them, and they'll just break out on the left hand and on the right. I'm telling you, we need to court favor with God, and you only do it by being thankful. And it'll do more for you than anything you could ever set your faith on, because it'll do things for you you don't know are possible. Think of Nehemiah. Did he have any idea the day he went in sad that he was going to end up the governor over Judea with the authority to take what he needed and command what he wanted and build a wall and resist the Samaritans and the Arabians and have the backing of the king of the empire? He was a house Negro who was expendable. But his faithfulness and his commitment to God made him a governor with tremendous power. And he ushered in revival. It is possible in Cookville to do the same thing. To come up out of wherever you are and do something great for God. You'll never fulfill the call of God on your life without thankfulness in you. Amen.